good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Gotta Have Heart Wrestling by your truly Jamal Honus. <clears throat> a little bit of the weather here, you know, but still feeling okay to do it. I witnessed a historic event, well, I guess historic in its own way. And this isn't a non dw event, or non-AW event, but rather a very controversial TNA wrestling event. And I've gone down the list. I decided to pick out what to watch on the, um, you know, the Impact Wrestling, you know, well, the network. I guess their own network, their app, subscription. I came across the pay-per-view nine years ago in March of 2011 called TNA's Victory Road 2011. And, you know, surrounding the controversy that happened in the main event, which is pretty uncontroversial, to say the least there. You know, this event will take place in Orlando, Florida. And the impact zone with 1,100 fans here on March 13, 2011. You know, we saw, you know, that on the March 3rd edition, 2011, of Math Wrestling, we saw the network, so-called network, that ruined Bischoff and Hogan's plans and have Jeff Hardy face his missing challenger, which would be Sting. Sting comes in, wins the TNA World Championship when Jeff Hardy, the TNA Antichrist custom-made belt, which is actually a cool belt. I'm actually a fan of that belt just because it was different. It was, you know, something that Jeff Hardy created himself, or I don't know if Hogan and Bischoff made for him, but it was something different, and I actually liked it. You know, the purple straps, actually, you never seen like that before, so it was pretty cool to see there. Oh, man. Well, let's kick off this event here. First up, we got Tommy Dreamer defeating Bully Ray in a false kind of match of 10 minutes and 45 seconds. We saw a lot of matches. We saw a table, we saw trash cans, we even saw, like, a half-broken... Singapore King, Kendo Stick, rather. I don't know which, you know, it's authentic to use which name for that kind of weapon. I've heard it, Kendo Stick, Singapore King, it's, it's pretty pretty weird. I think I like Kendo Stick better. Let's go with that. A half-broken Kendo Stick, which Tom Dreamer came off the top rope and bashed Bully Ray in the head. So that was pretty good thing to match up there. And then just as we saw Bully Ray going for the victory, we saw what happened to Devon's sons, you know, they came out, the hand distract and Bully Ray, Devon, Devon comes in, Hellton Dreamer sets up the 3D right through the table in the middle of the ring. Tom Dreamer covering Bully Ray in the 1, to 3 in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. I kind of felt like this was an upset, but I felt like it was a much, much needed win for Tom Dreamer. Mind you, Tom Dreamer is the heart and soul of ECW back in the day. You know, 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. And <clears throat> even one time when the WWE had their ECW brand in 2006, you know, which is pretty cool, but it wasn't really the same. I felt like we saw a little bit of that old-style ECW wrestling when Tommy Dreamer came to TNA Wrestling. And on this time, you know, Bully Ray was at the highest peak. You know, you, saw, you, think, you would think that Bully Ray being Bubba Ray Dudley, a part of Dudley Boys, is cool. I feel like this was a big, major singles push for Bully Ray in his career. I condemn TNA Wrestling for giving him that because, you know, he needed to break you know, Bubba Ray out of that tag team. You know, WWE wouldn't do it, you know. So, Tina Wrestling gave him that chance, and he took the ball and he ran with it. He ran further than any single competitor that would have come out with tag team since Shawn Michaels come out of the Rockers or Brett him and Hart coming out of the Hart Foundation. Pretty damn cool. So, much needed win for Tom Dreamer here tonight against Blue Ray, and I would call it upset a little bit. But, like I said, I, I applaud this match. It was pretty good. It was entertaining to kick off the show. So, yeah. All right, next up, we will see the TNA's Knockout Tag Team Championship on the line with Rosita and Sarita defending against 
Well, last note of challenging, Angelina Love and Winter of the Beautiful People with Double Sky, well, I guess kind of in the corner, but, you know, not in the corner at the same time. So, yeah, you know, let's just say that, you know, pretty good here. For those who don't know that Rosita is actually Selena Vega in WWE, or was Selena Vega in WWE, so, you know, now she's the part of the company due to reasons that I won't mention on this podcast here, but... You know, pretty cool to say the least. Here. This match was pretty cool. It lasts for four minutes and 58 seconds with Rosita and Sarita due to a miscommunication with the interference of Velvet Sky in this matchup here, helping Rosita get the win for her team, pinning Winter 1 2 3 and becoming the new TNA Knockout Tag Team Champions. So, pretty good match back and forth. I felt like, you know, <clears throat> the women's division, you know, well, I guess the Knockout Division, I guess that's an inappropriate word to say, the Knockout Division in TNA Wrestling was pretty cool. But I feel like it could have been better. It was a little bit dry at this time. You, you look back before when it started, they brought the knockout championship and ten on seven at Matt with Gail Kim winning it in that in that battle world. Then you see they bring out the knockout statue champions, which is the first. They well, WWE's had that in the seventies, eighties. They this swallowed the championship. Now TN decides to create their own women's tag team title belts, calling the knockouts tag team championship belts. And, you know, they bring it here. And with Sarita already winning it the first time in Town Nine, she does it again in twenty eleven here. We'll see the coming the first time in the first time in her career a knockouts tag team champions. It was pretty cool to see this team get jumped because you know, but the proof people, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky have been on top of the women's division as the greatest women's duo in Tina wrestling today. You know, they recruit Winter. And, you know, they got they got more success here, but losing championships here, I feel like there was a much needed win for Rosita and Sarita. So they won here for these two men. These two women, mind you. <laughs> All right, next up, we will see Hernandez and Matt Morgan in a first blood match. Hernandez, you think of this guy like, there's a reason why they call him Supermax. You know, this guy is big. This guy can chop around. Like, he's muscular. He can border toss you. West one of his finishing moves, the border toss, which is a pretty impressive power. It's like a throwing power bomb type of move. And you see here, like, I, I love Hernandez. I think he's one of the coolest, badass wrestlers in teenage history. You got Matt Morgan, the blueprint. You see Matt Morgan in WWE. He was okay in WWE, but I feel like WWE could have utilized him more because he's a big guy. He's a tall guy. He's muscular. He he's probably one of the strongest people here. He can also fly like he's half his weight. It's pretty damn cool to see what these two big men can do with each other, much less it being a first blood match here. Just back and forth here. We even saw one time with Hernandez almost jabbing one end of the stick with the kendo stick. Right and right, oh, well, almost right to the forehead of Matt Morgan here. So referee gets strapped outside the ring because I guess some fan tried to run the ring, which is pretty weird. We don't really know who that fan was, but I didn't know who that fan was. That was pretty random. You know, I guess that happens sometimes at WWE when the fan can't contain themselves and try to get involved in the action. That was uh, a bit random. But, yeah, then we see Hernandez screen some fake blood, I guess, you know, store-bought blood, I guess, all over... Matt Morgan's chest and his side. Referee comes in to see the blood on there, which I, I don't like this at all. Okay, mind you, if if a different scenario happened, if it was like fake blood, well, not even fake blood, it was like real blood, but getting cut on, you know, the, the tricep or the bicep and or the, uh, the abdominal area, I really don't necessarily call that first blood win. That's just a first blood to me is what that used to do. If you bleed on the forehead, any part of the forehead on your on the um on top top side whatever 
You know, that to me counts as first blood. That's drawing first blood. I don't believe that, you know, even was even if it wasn't first uh fake blood on Matt Morgan, <clears throat> even got cut right there. That rash shouldn't stop. The should have still kept going. I really felt like this was wrong on TNA's part to just be like, Oh, first blood on the body, oh, ring the bell. You know, I didn't really like that at all. This was is stupid. It really is stupid. I didn't condemn this. I give this match I think it's one of the worst first blood matches ever. I get a 1.5 out of 5 stars, and I didn't like it. I really didn't. This is, it was like a waste of a match here. I mean, what you thought was going to be good. These two guys could beat the hell of each other, but end up stopping. You know, the match lasted 8 minutes and 35 seconds. So, again, one, not one of your typical first blood matches. Not one of the best. I think it was probably the worst first blood match by far. So, Hernandez wins, I guess. You know, he took it any way he can, in a way. Next up here, we will see the ultimate X match for the X Division Championship between Jeremy Buck, Mass Buck, who are known as the Young Bucks in AEW right now. And I don't know who came up with the idea called Generation Me. It may sound cool, but the Young Bucks sound way better. I don't know if Beth wasn't trying to change their demeanor, knowing that these guys are one of the best tag teams in all of wrestling in the whole world. And you got Robbie E. with Cookings matchup going up against a Ultimax legend, Exhibition Champion, Kazarian. Kazarian being the five time Exhibition Champion. Kazarian, I think in my mind, I think he's the best Exhibition Champion of all time. You know, he really, he's proved that all years. Ever since he came to TNA Wrestling Town 2 in 2011, that's like nine years span. Like, he won the championship five times. Kazarian, right now, like, is on top. You know, he really is. If you go back in real life, if you watch AW's Dynamite, he went 1 1 with Chris Jericho. Really phenomenal matchup. He could have won that matchup. I really believe Kazarian has the makings of being a world champion one day. If he's with FCU, SCU, and EAW, he has potential to become one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Kazarian has a look, the charisma, the strategy, the mat game, the high flying, everything. Ariel, it's pretty difficult to see what happens here. You know, we saw a sponsor matchup here where, you know, Robert E. goes over top rope. Thanks to Generation Me, he hits his head on the steel steps. That was a pretty hard bump right there. I'm surprised he came back up from that. And then you see Jeremy Buck with a moonsault outside the ring to both Robbie E. and Kazarian, thanks to his brother um, Max Buck. And, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, you watch Generation Me, any type of match these guys will have is phenomenal. If you go back to, like, let's say, Bound for Glory 2010 or, you know, Turning Point 2010, these guys get the most machine guns. Best, one of the greatest tag team matches between those two teams ever. I can watch these two teams go hand in hand. I mean, they had that full metal mayhem. I will never forget that full metal mayhem in November 2010. That was one of the greatest tag team matches involving weapons I've ever seen. That was pretty damn cool. I wish wrestling right now with tag team matches like that again, you know? But you got that, those type of matches with, you know, the Young Bucks, whether it's um, FTR or, you know, um, Dark Order. You know, Phoenix Jr., Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., you know, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. Like, it's pretty damn cool to see what these dual brothers have worked themselves and gained the reputation of calling themselves the greatest tag team in professional wrestling today. And we saw Robbie E. getting the ladder in this match and try to climb up, get the belt. Technically, ladder's not using a Ultimate X match. If we're here, we, this is a wire match. Climb the wire, get the belt, you win. That's exactly what, exactly what Kazarian did. Using his experience, his well-known experience in the alternate matches, climbing the wire on the top of the structure even, and getting the belt, 
knocking Robbie off that ladder to the floor, retaining the City Championship. I'm glad because they're in this matchup. It will last 14 minutes and 22 seconds. Pretty amazing matchup here. I really enjoyed him. Next up, we've got Bear Money, Inc., James Thorpe, and Robert Rude just winning the TNA Tag Team Championships against Inc. Incorporated of Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. I can't say enough how Bear Money together, another amazing tag team. Really, one of the best tag teams of all time. And you got Inc. Inc. Not only know much about Jesse Neal, I thought no, so that freaking red mohawk, man. That was, <laughs> I thought Shane's mohawk was really big. I just you know, maybe was, probably had the biggest mohawk at the time. So then again, you got Shane Moore, who's a well known wrestler, a part of you know North Carolina's or Shane Helms and the Hardy Boys. <coughs> and pretty damn cool to see what these two teams will do here. And I feel like Shane Moore, um, TNA wrestling. Untern wrestling run was a little better than his WWE run. So, Shannon Moore had to really break out here to make it on his own. Even with Justin Yell, but he's still branching out as being this tattoo punk rock artist and pretty damn cool. You know, I, I like this character. I, I love Ink Ink, actually. They had this potential to stand out as a good tag team. Even one time, you know, Justin Yell wrestling's matchup queen. We did see Shannon Moore try to go for that whatever object that was, like some kind of metal book, whatever it is, and tried to cheat his way with me. Jesse Neal said he did not want to win like that, which I condemned, you know, Jesse Neal for going that way. But they got distracted. Robert hits the DWI. Better money hits the DWI for the one, two, three, and retains the attacking championship. We saw even Jesse Neal shake hands after the matchup. Shannon Moore being so loser spits the bear and James Thorne's face and just runs off. And... Like I said, Bear Money's still tagging champions. At least, at least Kazarian, Bear Money's still keeping the championships within fortune. You know, so it's pretty cool here. You know? Next up, we will have AJ Styles versus Matt Hardy, accompanied by Ric Flair. This is a pretty good matchup here. You know, we saw a lot of this matchup here. AJ Styles. <laughs> Yo, let me tell you this, though. There was a one cool moment, which I thought, you know, phenomenal AJ Styles can do. I see him being Irish whipped towards a guardrail. He slips underneath the guardrail. No one... That little bit of tidy space, he was still going to the guardrail like it's nothing. Hustle awesome Nagarwa hits that, you know, that forearm on Matt Hardy. And that was a pretty cool spot there. I did not know how phenomenal AJ Styles can get. But it seems like every match where AJ Styles, he tends to surprise you with these different antics. And I love it. This is why AJ Styles is so damn phenomenal. This is why he earned that nickname at being the phenomenal one. I really loved it. AJ Styles never ceased to amaze me every time. He just goes out there and just... Enthusiastic does, and he makes it look damn good. He really does. I love it. AJ Styles is the best ring performer since Shawn Michaels in the 90s. That's how good AJ Styles is. You can compare him to Shawn Michaels, well, um, Randy Savage, you know, amazing, amazing competitor here. Of course, Matt Hardy, you know, veteran is prime, company right with Flair, that's pretty cool. Matt Hardy would get the win. And we saw it before, you know, in the fair a couple times in this matchup here, too. But he's going to win 17 minutes and 38 seconds here. And pretty good matchup here. He really just takes the real player after the match, giving him a real low blow. You know, even AJ Styles, a move that he hasn't used in a while. The spiral tap, you know, that coarse groove moonsault, you know, somersault, whatever you want to call it. Pretty amazing move. Every time you see him hit that move, it just gets better and better. But AJ Styles proved that this night he was the phenomenal one. Next up, we have Mr. Anderson versus Rob Van Dam. 
one-on-one here. And then no more tennis match to see who would face the world champion at lockdown the month of April. Pretty good competitive matchup here. Um, you know, we see, we've heard that Robin Dill never lost a championship last year when he wasn't senior world champion. Getting attacked by Bisson had to go home for a couple months here. You know, return the round score, defeats the Bisson Monsters ball. Mr. Anderson, on the other hand, Mr. Anderson getting screwed out of the championship, you know, that ladder match. Even now, awarded his championship rematch, they should have the following impact after against all odds, you know, and, you know, that's just, you know, when it comes to North Ten match here, I don't think neither. Hogan and Bishop was in favor of either of them winning. Just to, you know, not have them challenge, you know, whoever won the championship match in the main event here at this event, you know. Ended up, Mr. Anderson hits the mic check on Robert Van Dam on the ring ramp and getting the double count out in 12 minutes and 54 seconds. Pretty tough matchup. I love Mr. Anderson. I like him when he was Mr. Kennedy in the WWE, Mr. Anderson team wrestling. Pretty cool either way. I love his character. You know, so... Yeah, pretty good matchup to say the least here. Next up, we have the main event. We have Sting defending the TNA World Heavy Championship, the Antichrist Championship, against Jeff Hardy in a no-DQ matchup here. This is where things took a turn for worse. Many people did not know this. If you watch the Hardy Boys episode on something God have wrestling with Bruce Spritcher on the WWE Network, or you can listen on his podcast, wherever podcasts available is, Jeff Hardy was not in the right front in this matchup. We have seen him always heard rumors that him being intoxicated on doses of maybe different drugs of some kind. He was not in the right mindset. You see Sting come out, get a couple of punches here, gets a Scorpion death drop, pinning Jeff Hardy in a minute and twenty eight seconds. We even saw we the fans didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I think it was a screw job to the whole company. You know, and I think it was a low blow by Jeff Hardy to the whole company and it was like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cool. It really wasn't cool at all. I, I didn't condone him whatsoever. That was one of the worst championship match in Tina history. It was. You expect this match to be good. I mean, Jeff Hardy and Sting. Who who better than Jeff Hardy and Sting? But it was like, maybe, you know, if Jeff Hardy wasn't on whatever he was on that night, we could have saw an amazing main event here. And I know Sting was heavily disappointed. You know, he did not want to retain champions that way. And... I don't know. I just, I really think after this event, you know, with the main event, I think TNA's wrestling just took a worse turn down downhill from here, and it wasn't the same after that. I kind of stopped feeling love with TNA wrestling after that main event. That was the horrible, and maybe the worst match in special wrestling history. That's how bad this match was. It wasn't that good at all. You know, it sucks, you know? People made their hard money to see a good main event, and for it to be screwed up like this due to Jeff Hardy's antics again, you know, crash and burn, you know, I'm not going to spin this in a positive way because Jeff Hardy knew what he did and he still went out there rather than schedule a match for a different time. And that was not cool. I didn't like it at all. So, yeah, this match, you know, like I said, a minute and 20 seconds for a war championship that caliber in the main event of a pay-per-view. It wasn't cool. It wasn't right at all. Overall, the other matches after me four, pretty phenomenal. I'll give this match three out of five stars. It wasn't. Too bad. The main event could have been a lot, a lot better if Jeff Hardy not had been whatever he was on that night. And like I said, sucks, sucks with Sting, you know, to retain the world championship that way. You know, I know I'm pretty sure Sting would have loved to face in the A-game Jeff Hardy that night. And that just didn't happen. Of course, you know, Jeff Hardy got sent home for 
a long while after this event because DNA lost confidence in him and felt like he couldn't be the face of the company or be his champion, which I don't blame them, you know? So a long punishment for Jeff Hardy after that, you know? But I think as far as the company goes, it kind of downward spiraled from there. And to me, just because of that main event, it's been one of the most controversial events ever, you know, not talked about, you know, so it sucks. Anyway, thank you for listening to my podcast. And the winning vote for the poll is the Ruthless Aggression Era. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow. I'm excited. You see these upcoming stars like Lesnar, John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin, and more. Rey Mysterio. It's, it's, it was a really exciting time to be WWE. Let me not say no more. We're going to talk about that tomorrow on the whole full episode of God How Heart Wrestling on my podcast with yours truly, Jamal Honus. Thank you guys for listening to this episode about Teenage 50 Road 2011. See, and you'll hear from me tomorrow. Good night, everybody. Be safe.